Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America. Hey, good morning, everyone. Starting to feel like summer out here in Kingman, Arizona. Continuing our stories of inspiration today with the uh, tale of the Patterson Greenfield Automobile Company. Much more than just automobiles. Hey, uh, can I ask a quick question? Do you uh, find these programs of inspiration interesting? Uh, Dear, dear... Find yourself sharing them and talking about them. Okay, good enough. Well, uh, today's program is brought to you in part by the one and only Uranus Fudge Company and General Store. US, uh, Uranus Fudge Factory and General Store, excuse me, near St. Robert, Missouri, and now a new location near Anderson, Indiana. Quirky fun, miniature golf, good food, memory-making entertainment, circus sideshow museum, all kinds of good things. It's an attraction you need to see to believe. Hey, okay, let's uh, get to talking about the uh, automobile company here, the Patterson Greenfield. I think you're going to find this really, really interesting. Uh, Patterson Greenfield was an early 20th century automaker headquartered in Greenfield, Ohio. Uh, Just like a lot of the early automobile manufacturers, they started out as a manufacturer of horse-drawn vehicles. Buick, Pontiac, uh, Studebaker, gosh, you know, uh, the Deal Automobile Company in Jonesville, Michigan. These were all companies that uh, made a small fortune or did quite well, were very successful in the manufacture of horse-drawn vehicles. Uh, But what makes Patterson Greenfield really unique, it's the only company I'm aware of, the automobile company, that was founded, managed, and directed entirely by African-American owners. It's a pretty unique and particular prominence in automotive history. Uh, Christopher Nelson has written a book about, uh, it's called The C.R. Patterson and Sons Company, Black Pioneers in the Vehicle Building Industry. Uh, He writes that in a national census of manufacturers back in 1890, the percentage of the black population involved in manufacturing was approximately one hundredth of 1%. And usually they were making cosmetics or cigars, uh, producing products specifically for African-American market. As he says, uh, the Patterson's the only ones that he came across that made them the largest black owned manufacturing company in the United States. <clears throat> the founder of the company was Charles Richard, which is the CR in Patterson was born as a slave in Virginia in 1833, some plus or minus a year or two. 
And uh, apparently he might have learned a bit of blacksmithing as a slave. And there's, of course, varying sources, a little bit of confliction on the timing and manner of how he left slavery. But the 1850 census provides evidence that Patterson family had settled in southwestern Ohio sometime in the late 1840s. Uh, there's a great article Car and Driver did sometime back on this company, and there's a few other things that might be of interest. I'll be adding uh, Mr. Nelson's book to my library, and when I do, after I read it, I'll be talking to you. Well, um, anyway, in Greenfield, C.R. Patterson found work doing what he knew how to do, blacksmithing. He went to work for a company called Dines and Simpson. They were uh, a carriage company, blacksmith shop, a lot like Studebaker. They um, built wagons and carriages, repaired, made repairs, and did basic blacksmithing work. And uh, Patterson was obviously a good employee because uh, we find a few years later that he was foreman. And uh, by 1873, Patterson and J.P. Lowell, uh, a local, another local carriage maker, they partnered. And that in itself is unusual, Patterson being African-American and Lowell being white. Well, J.P. Lowe and Company was a very, very successful independent carriage manufacturer in southern Ohio. 23, 20 years later, 1893, we find that Patterson has bought out Lowe and uh, established, uh, reorganized as the C.R. Patterson Son and Company. That name change, of course, marks the inclusion of uh, the younger of his two sons, Samuel who was only 18 years old at the time. <clears throat> and just as with Deal and Studebaker and some of these other companies, the carriage business was quite uh, prosperous. They uh, did quite well locally, Southern Ohio, uh, Northern Kentucky, and they incorporated different models of wagons and carriages. And, and uh, they even patented some several devices. For example, they created a storm buggy and they had a patent on it it had sliding doors, much like a modern minivan, but the rails were on uh, in cold weather, sleet and such would get stuck and freeze. Patterson was unique. They put rails on the inside and the door would pop out in the rear when you opened it. Where have you seen that before? Take a look at your minivan. Uh, young Sam Patterson uh, fell ill, 1897. And the uh, elder Patterson son, Frederick Douglass, who was named after the freed slave turned abolitionist that became very, very popular and famous in the years before the Civil War. Uh, he left his teaching position in Louisville, Kentucky, and moved back to uh, Ohio, joined his father. And uh, the company, well, did fairly well. And then Sam Patterson died in 1899. Frederick and his father continued to run the business together. And they continued doing well even after the turn of the century. But uh, the handwriting on the wall, just as with Deal in Jonesville, Michigan, and Studebaker, companies started realizing that uh, carriages and wagons weren't, weren't going to be around much longer. Well, Frederick had full control of the company after his father died in 1910. And having seen rapid changes that were taking place, 
uh, Frederick had an idea. He began including automobile repair on the company's list of services. And, and generally this meant uh, paint, upholstery, things that they could combine with their carriage works. But in time, he started adding electrical and mechanical repair work to the uh, services offered. And, uh, well, by 1914, there were dozens and dozens of automobile companies throughout the United States. Uh, Jackson, Michigan had, oh gosh, close to a dozen companies, uh, Kalamazoo, South Bend, Indiana. But his company was unique. So in 1914, they began uh, development and production of a car. And in September of 1915, operating under the name C.R. Patterson and Sons, they introduced the Patterson Greenfield Automobile as a closed touring model and convertible top roadster. And they were, a man, they were an assembled car. Uh, in other words, they used a lot of components from other companies, Timken bearings, uh, you know, things of this nature. The car, but had a four-cylinder engine, was built by CB&S, Golden Belknap and Schwartz of Detroit, had a full floating rear axle, cantilever springs, demountable rims. Here's something. It had an electric starter, electric lighting, and a split windshield for uh, ventilation. This was only four years after Cadillac had pioneered the, the, the electric features. The vehicle sold for between $685 and $850, a bit more Model T, but a third to half the price commanded by more upscale cars such as Cadillac and the Buick Packard. The Patterson Greenfield was advertised as featuring every conceivable convenience and luxury known to car manufacturer. And that class of users who, though perfectly able to spend twice the amount yet feel that a machine should not engross a disproportionate share of expenditure. They sold well locally, and uh, they advertised in regional and African-American-owned publications. They were one of the first automobile manufacturers that targeted the African-American consumer. Despite the quality of Patterson-Greenfield vehicles, the business faced, well, obvious problems, number one being uh, by late night, by the mid-teens, late teens, the assembly line, Henry Ford and other companies had figured out uh, vertical integration, and uh, their prices were going down, not up. And uh, there's no way to really produce a medium-priced car profitably in the way, in the same way that they had produced carriages by hand. So. By 1918, the company stopped vehicle production, and they returned to a focus on vehicle repair services. But that's not the end of the story. With the buggy business shrinking, Frederick Patterson decided to diversify and modernize. Now, if that seems odd, remember Studebaker was still building horse-drawn vehicles up into the early 1920s. Same with Patterson. It was during the mid-1920s that the company was reorganized under the name Greenfield Bus and Body Company. They capitalized on demand for school buses and truck bodies constructed on Chevrolet, Dodge, Ford, and international chassis. In 1929, nearly half of the school buses in Ohio had bodies made by Patterson. 
They also diversified and began producing insulated cargo truck boxes, hearses, moving vans. This new focus allowed Greenfield to remain profitable throughout most of the Depression. The company is even reported to have shipped buses as far away as Haiti in the 1930s when the first Haitian commercial bus line began operation. The Great Depression did hit the company hard, and Frederick Patterson died in 1932, and then the company was reorganized once again about five years later, this time under the name Galea Body Company. And the company was packed up and moved to Galapagos, Ohio, on the West Virginia border. In 1939, without a lot of fanfare, the company closed its doors. Greenfield bodied commercial vehicles and carriages and automobiles, including a unique rural mail delivery buggy, uh, which allowed its driver to sit inside while urging the horses along with a remote-operated whip. Few exist here and there in private and public collections. Ah, so far, none of the Patterson-Greenfield automobiles are known to survive. Wouldn't it be neat to find one of those in a barn? Well, that's another story of inspiration for you. Uh, Pretty interesting chapters in automotive history, but inspirational people. People who are confronted with what seems like overwhelming obstacles find a way to overcome and thrive and and, uh, prosper even. Hey, I I hope this gave you a little bit of inspiration. I hope you'll share this with your friends. I hope if if you're on a Route 66 adventure, you stop by and say hello to the mayor, Louis Keene, at Uranus Fudge Company, uh, Fudge Factory General Store. And, uh, well... Join us Sunday morning for Coffee with Jim, our travel program, 7 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. Uh, We are now, our programs are now available on iHeartRadio and Samsung, as well as Spotify. A little music from Joe and Woody and the Boys of the Road. Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Sunday morning, Coffee with Jim. We got a great travel program. In the mysteries unknown. I think you're going to really, really enjoy Come what we got for you. For We're going to go in search of uh, lost railroad history. We've got a museum to talk about uh, in Grass Lake, Michigan. We've got a uh, abandoned railroad tunnel in Arizona. A few other things that might be of interest. I think you're going to enjoy that. Until then, my friends. Well, adios. And vaya con Dios. Before I button this up, any questions about Patterson Greenfield? Well... My friends, I'll see you Sunday morning. Adios.